Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special Blue Train pop-up episode of Born to be Wild. See, it was Friday night, and I was sitting around waiting for Born to be Wild to start, as one does. And I was reminded that uh, the boys were taking a week off. I couldn't have that. Who's going to entertain me? So I invited myself to crash the channel, do my own podcast. See, Nate's in Hawaii. Isn't that awesome? So here we are, the Blue Train episode of Born to be Wild. Now, there's a lot to talk about this week. A lot of news happened. Uh, a lot of meta assessments occurred. And just a lot of interesting stuff. And so I'm going to take you all through it. And uh, yeah, that's it. So let's go ahead and get started. So first of all, just a little bit about my week. Um, I've been playing a little bit of Hearthstone. I had a bit of a rough month climbing to Legend because I actually uncharacteristically decided to experiment with the new cards when they came out because it was timed with the new month so perfectly. Now, generally speaking, I'm actually fairly conservative when it comes to ladder. I don't typically experiment because I'm a coward. I want to preserve my MMR as best I can uh, because it could be a lot of work to regain ranks if you lose them. It's easier to lose them than it is to gain them. So I tried out <clears throat> a lot of different stuff and entered in Legend quite low, relatively speaking. And so I've had to... Um, play games to kind of try and tread water with my rank to try and keep my 11 stars. Uh, so when the buffs happened about, you know, a week and a half ago, uh, I was playing a little bit of Odd Paladin and uh, with the uh, with the updated Warhorse Trainer. And at first it seemed really promising. Warhorse Trainer is, Warhorse Trainer is really busted. It's really, really good. And, you know, had a, a, a pretty reasonable climb. The, the problem is is that as strong as Warhorse Trainer is, Odd Paladin is a deck that is really hard carried by that card and Broomstick. And the deck felt bad to me <clears throat> because I always felt like I was playing from behind. You know, I'd have to like basically like always play Warhorse Trainer, Hero Power, Broom, and try and swing the board back, right? And and it's really hard to to play like that all the time, being on the back foot. I don't think Odd Paladin is that great of a deck. Um, but you know, right now we're in a Renathal meta. Meta. We're gonna be talking about that a little bit later when we go over the uh, meta reviews and snapshots. Uh, but uh, there are still some decent aggro decks out there. And uh, that's what I've been experimenting with, I know. Uh, Long-time listeners and viewers will be shocked to hear that Blue Train's an aggro noob playing an aggro deck, but that, that's what I do. It's what I enjoy. I, I am not ashamed, or at least not terribly ashamed. So the deck that I've been playing this week um, is uh, a Beast Hunter deck, uh, sometimes referred to as Copper Hunter, named after the Hearthstone player that uh, popularized it. And this is a deck that's pretty well positioned in the meta right now. Um, it's, uh, you know, the last iteration of it was quite challenging to play. Um, but, you know, with the with the release of Wild Seeds and even the post-Wild Seeds nerf, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit easier to play because it's a little bit more like Curve Stone. And really the idea is you want to have beast synergies with um, low-curve beasts that provide value, like Alley Cat. Wolpertinger. Uh, you want to curve into Cackling Razor Maw or Spirit Poacher to get the Wild Seeds down. Your swing turns are with Harpoon Gun and Wild Spirits. And then you have some top-end stuff like Aralon and uh, Huntsman Altimore and Hydralodon to close out the game. And we'll, we'll talk about the deck a little bit later, but I've been, I've been having quite a bit of fun with it and quite a bit of success as have been some other uh, notable legend uh, grinder uh, wild hearthstone players like QB, uh, uh, Seth, and um, Nops. They've been they've been big advocates of the deck and uh, been posting some very impressive results. It's a lot of fun. I think that Hunter has got a lot of uh, a lot of um, decks that are either not seeing as much play as they should or are underexplored. Uh, such as Face Hunter. Maybe we'll talk about that too, time pending. 
uh, Corbett popularized a face hunter list that's made it to HS replay. Uh, but others have been experimenting it with as, as well with slightly different builds that I've been um, quite interested in, like Ben from work that uh, has been running slightly different card packages that are a little bit more low to the ground. So yeah, a lot of hunter and and that's been working pretty well, treading water with that. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but first, I uh, want to dive into a little bit about the news. Uh, so Hearthstone released patch notes for 24.2, and there was a lot of news in here that was received, uh, <laughs> how to say, uh, poorly. Um, I, I would say that the reception to this news was at best ambivalent and at worst voraciously opposed by the player base. And the main reason why, and I wonder if they called it out in the patch notes here as I look through them, is Hearthstone is moving away to a new in-game currency that we know has been played in China for some time called Runestones. And I'm just going to pull up an infograph to kind of showcase that a little bit before we dive into the other details in the news. So I know that Deck Tech posted a revised infograph on his Twitter earlier today. Uh, so I'm just going to go pull that up. I should have done that ahead of time, uh, but uh, alas, I did not. Um, so Nate can go ahead and edit this part out while I search for it. Uh, here it is. And I'll just pull this into my browser that I'm sharing here on OBS. Wait a minute, that's not it, is it? Or maybe it's, here it is. Okay, I guess it was in the notes. Apologies for that. So, basically, Hearthstone introduced this new um, currency, and, and, and the rationale was it was supposed to complement some of the changes coming to Battlegrounds. Um, the 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 rationale is that with an in-game currency like runestones, it will allow them to sell individual cosmetics for lower price points than they would otherwise if they charge for cash. And I think that a lot of what gets missed in this, not that I'm defending this, and we'll talk a little bit about why we should be cautious about this, but in defense of this, um, every time you buy something in the store with your credit card, the credit card company charges a fee. And those fees can get very expensive very quickly. This is why we've always seen things bundled at a certain price point, because there has to be a certain hard cap before you know, you're actually starting to sell things at a loss. And so the idea here is that you make that purchase with in-game currency, and then you can use that in-game currency however you choose. Now, the reason why this is received poorly is because while the credit card argument makes sense, um, oftentimes in-game currencies are used in an exploitative or less than honest way, right? It, it's a way to obfuscate costs. It's a way to, um, you know, be able to make subtle changes in monetization without it necessarily being as obvious if, if we're talking about hard currency. And there was also some flap as well because there are things that you can't use gold with before that you could that you know that you can today that you won't be able to, and and, and that is a bit of a concern, um, you know. So looking at this, they they made these infographs showing what runestones could be used for, and naturally they can be used for everything. Um, they're still going to allow cash purchases for things that are the bigger ticket items, and I think that's because again it goes back to credit card you know trying to you know take those fees on um and minimize those impacts you know and, and i had a conversation with swagwar about this and he kind of said well okay it's all well and good that that they're going to save money on fees potentially but how does that benefit me as a consumer and the only answer that i could provide and it was weak was that well if they don't take on more overhead through fees then hopefully they will not pass that on to you, the consumer, which they almost certainly would if they had to take them on. And that's because publicly traded corporations not only need to remain profitable, they have to remain profitable in alignment with their projections, right? So they always 
always got to be growing basically and and so you know this is a way hopefully that will allow them to offer more diverse products but it opens the door to the more darker side of mobile gaming and and frankly you know just to put you know blizzard as an organization on blast um you know a lot of trust was lost with diablo immortal where we saw that system put into place in in some of the most egregious and extreme fashions now you can argue that that was net doing not blizzards but blizzard put their name on it they put their intellectual property on it they own it just like how nate sheep and hydra own this podcast i could i could start showing inappropriate material and start cursing up a storm but because we've got that official logo in the top corner they're ultimately going to own it just like how blizzard owned you know the 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 the, the breach of trust that happened with you know the 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 free-to-play mobile game and, and 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 from communications i saw you know really the 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 Hearthstone team professed that this is truly going to be used to offer um, more diverse products, and I and I believe that to be true. And I think that we're just going to have to watch very carefully, um, and 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 make sure that that is indeed how it's going to be used. It'll be incumbent on us to keep you know the team honest. I, I think that a lot of people jumped to a very dark place right away. I, I think that you know we have to judge the the team on their actions although admittedly a lot of this is out of their control as well and so they're you know they very well could be unwitting unwitting messengers but you know i mean we'll have to see i i think that for a lot of people frankly it's not going to change the overall experience unless of course you're deep into battlegrounds in which case that experience is going to change significantly not only by virtue of the monetization but the whole new uh, rewards track that they're introducing for that as well. So let, let's go through this a little bit and and see what we've got here. So runestones can be used for everything: pre-purchases, tavern pass, packs, mini sets, golden mini sets, cosmetics and bundles, decks and adventures. So all the things. Money can be used for pre-purchases, tavern pass, packs, and golden mini sets. So for a lot of the constructed players, for the wild players out there, anything that you spent money on directly, you can still continue to do so. Um, with the exception of mini sets. And that's the biggest change here, and that's where there's a crack in the foundation. We could purchase the mini set before for, I don't remember how much it was, it was like $25 Canadian, I think. Um, now you'll have to buy runestones to get the mini sets. And they're saying that they'll have a runestone bundle that will be the same money. So you're not going to have extra runestones that will, you know, kind of sit in your wallet that you, you know, will have to spend in game. Um, and you can still use gold. So for the budget minded player that saves up gold, you could still use gold to buy mini sets. And that's that's good. Um, cosmetics and bundles. You can no longer use money for those either. You could today. That's another big change. Although, admittedly, um, you know, generally speaking, if if you were a player that was spending a lot on cosmetics, you're probably less riled about these changes, anyways, because you know, buying a, a cosmetic is is quite a bit more superfluous than than you know, core collection. And you'll still be able to spend gold on what they're calling resurfaces, which I'm guessing is like when they introduce an old cosmetic um, for gold, like they, they did with Mecha Jaraxxus and, uh, um, I, I don't know, some of the older heroes from the older expansions that, that came out. So a little bit of changes there. Mini sets and cosmetics you can't buy for straight up cash anymore. Um, golden mini sets you can so they kind of dig in a little bit. So with Battlegrounds, there's now going to be a season pass. And I think what's interesting is that the new product offerings that are being offered are only going to be purchasable using runestones. The season pass for this season only will be available in cash, but then it will only be runestones. So it's interesting because if you're a Battlegrounds player, you're really going to be tied to this new currency. Uh, if you were a Battlegrounds-only player, I would imagine that you would have bought the Tavern 
um, the, the the thing that came in the mega bundle, the the ta I don't remember what they called it. It was tavern perks. Um, maybe someone in chat can remind me. Um, but uh, the 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 battlegrounds um, uh, perks that allowed you to select from four heroes, and I think there were a couple of other minor benefits. Um, so uh, you'll have to use runestones for that um, after the season, and of course cosmetics and bundles will now be via runestones as well. One thing to note is that um, battlegrounds um, cosmetics were very much like you'd get a set of them and. You know, sometimes you get ones that you really wanted with ones that you didn't want. And so the idea here is that you'll be able to be a little bit more um, pick and choosy. But yeah, it's going to be really tied to the um, the, the rune stones now. Uh, mercenaries, um, they're also, uh, they're not changing anything. Uh, mercenary packs, which were the only products really, are be purchasable in gold, dollars, and rune stones. Um, other products will be in runestones. I don't know what that is. I think other products are like they sometimes do mercenary bundles. Like when they release new heroes, like new mercenaries, though, like when they did the League of Explorers, they had a bundle with Reno and Elise and um, uh, Bran, where you got the three heroes, you got a portrait for each of them, and a bunch of packs, right? Almost like a pre order. Uh, which is pretty good value because mercenary packs, which I don't really want to get too into here, are really bad value, especially if you're an invested player. Because in mercenaries, there's no, like, it's like imagine, you know how you have those standard and wild packs? Imagine those were the only packs available for purchase. That's kind of how mercenaries works. Everything goes into the general pool, so there's no way to kind of say, I want the new mercenaries only. Um, you have to basically buy them from a general pool. And and so these other products, which I think are like those pre-releases, will now also be only available in runestones. And as a mercenaries enjoyer, which I am, uh, I know there, there are dozens of us is the running gag, um, we're going to be now uh, on the runestone uh, uh, bandwagon here as well. So that's pretty interesting. Um Tavern tickets, so the tickets to buy for duels and arena, will now be available in gold and runestones. So before, they were only available. Uh, they were available in money as well. You could buy an arena run for money. Um, so now it'll be runestones instead. So for arena and duels enjoyers, um, that's a change. And special brawls, like the heroic tavern brawl, uh, that's coming up in two weeks, um, that will be um, available only via golden runestones, where before it was available in cash. So that's a change as well. And here they have the pricing, I'm assuming, in US dollars for runestones. And, and really kind of what it looks like is um, 100 runestones is the equivalent of a dollar, effectively, um, plus or minus one cent. And, and that's, you know, in line with today's pricing. Um, and the bundles are excuse me, in the same denominations of the packs, right? 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, and 80. Uh, actually, I think there's a few more in here than, than they have for the packs. So, you know, some Q&A here. You can't earn runestones in-game. Um, you know, it, it truly is a money currency. And so, you know, while this will allow them to offer us you know, small purchases where they couldn't do that before, which could be cool. It also opens the door potentially for some of the darker things that we've come to expect in mobile gaming. Uh, someone made a comment that uh, kind of really cut deep. Um, uh, I believe it was a friend of mine in a Discord I'm in said, Hearthstone is now truly a mobile game. And I think that might be a little bit on the nose, a little bit uh, extreme. But at the same time, uh, it's certainly moving in that direction, as is the entire industry. I think, you know, my personal take is um, listen to this, what they say, but watch what they do. Let's watch them. Let's see. You know, hopefully we'll see the best of what they're saying we'll get out of this, and there won't be a real material change. There won't be a price increase kind of shuffled in there. 
Um, and let's call them out when they do something with it that's not to the player's advantage. So far, it's a little ambiguous. It seems that the biggest changes are going to be for um, battlegrounds and mercenaries, as it turns out. It's worth noting that Riot does this as well in all of their games, including Runeterra. And that's not really exploitative. So, I mean, there's, you know, I, I, I'm going to hope for the best. Um, in this patch, they announced Battleground Season 2. So I know this is a wild-centric audience, but, um, you know, I, I think that it's worth noting that um, with Battleground Season 2, they're introducing a new Battlegrounds track, its own rewards pass. And this is interesting because potentially maybe we'll see one for other game modes in the future, potentially. Um, and it means that perhaps we won't see Battlegrounds rewards in the constructed Battle Pass anymore. Um, and when they have quests, they won't have like cross game mode quests that people kind of grumble about when they get. Um, it's hard to know if this will be worth it. Um, we'll need to see it. Uh, but generally speaking, the Battle Pass has been pretty good value. Uh, Battleground-specific rewards, including emotes, hero skins, strikes, and more. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what one can glean from this. Most importantly, you're going to need this Paddle Pass to unlock the plus two heroes, which is what used to one used to get from the perks. You know, I think that um, Battlegrounds is the most popular Hearthstone game mode, or or among them, and I, um, you know, they 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 they're looking for ways to capitalize on it and monetize it. And I mean, it, it, I'm kind of torn on this. You know, you want to see your favorite game be free to play, but you also want it to to create a sustainable ecosystem that will have them supporting it for years to come. So. Uh, you know, it, again, we have to watch closely. So, lots of changes for Battlegrounds. They have kind of the, the table here that they typically have with the regular Battle Pass. I, I'm sure there's going to be people doing or who've already done breakdowns of the value. It looks like everything in here is on the cosmetics side. So if you're really into Battleground Cosmetics, um, you'll get this. And I think most people are going to get the two hero slots. Like, that's the big one. That's the reason to get this. Um, I play Battlegrounds very casually, but I could see myself getting this because I want the extra hero slots. Or maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I used to enjoy getting the extra two hero slots for my Mega Bundle pre-order because it was just something that I got value from. So I'll miss that. It's too bad. Uh, typically Battleground cosmetics have been pretty good. Um, I like, I haven't bought many of them because I don't spend a lot of time in the game mode, but the ones that I have gotten, I, I do enjoy. Tiki Rag is a bartender, and I like the summery kind of skins, uh, like the pool party stuff. I think that was really, really fun. Um, and now gain Battlegrounds XP to earn your rewards. You know, one thing that didn't get a lot of talk is that there's a whole uh, subculture of people that AFK Battlegrounds to get um, in-game experience that would be applicable to the main track. I don't think that's going to work anymore. So for you Battleground AFKers, it looks like you're kind of out of luck next month. And I wonder if that was also part of the motivation here as well, because I know a couple people who do the AFKing in Battlegrounds, and holy moly, did they, like, it, it, it was like a drip, drip, drip of gold um, that they'd get from the Battle Pass, but it, it added up over time. That's going to be a severe blow to a lot of people that were in a pretty gray area of, of you know, getting extra gold from the, the Battle Pass. Um, you can AFK Mercs PvE, so maybe that's what they'll do, but it didn't net as much experience as Battlegrounds did. They're introducing the new Battlegrounds Mechanics Quests. And we'll have to see how people like that or hate it. it. I mean, it could be, it'll probably be polarized like buddies were. But it, it, it's a cool idea. I mean, you know, we'll have to see how it works in practice. And they made some changes, um, obviously, to go along with the new season. And uh, really, that that's the news. So a lot of Battleground stuff. Uh, they made some Mercs balance changes that I didn't really understand. 
but like most of the mercs battle uh, most of the mercs balance changes you kind of have to kind of see how they work to to really understand uh the buffs that that are incurred hopefully they didn't create another trigor the lasher for you mercs enjoyers um and and we'll see uh we'll see how that goes so yeah there was a lot of controversy over this um you know i think that a lot of players are justifiably concerned and i think a lot of content creators rage bait because it's good for engagement you know everybody wants to talk about the controversy um and this is this is controversial um and you know there were some notables that were i wouldn't say defending this but rationalizing it kind of like i am saying like well you know a long time coming and they need to find a way to monetize and 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 sustain it and there are others that are saying this is anti anti-gamer anti-consumer anti-player um not cool and and i think that it's one of those things where we're gonna have to really wait and see to see how it shakes out it's tough you know i mean there have been some some highs in the last you know couple years the battle pass i think has overwhelmingly been been a positive change that was you know, fairly poorly received and adjusted as well at first. Um, you know, a lot of trust was lost with Mercs. Um, you know, they, they did really well on the pre-orders. And then, you know, unfortunately, the game mode needed a little bit more time in the oven. And that's still coming. And then, of course, you know, people are still weary of what they saw with Diablo Immortal. So, yeah, I think that there's there's um, there's a wait and see there. So, you know, I, I think that uh, don't believe the hype. Either way, positive or negative, but but pay close attention. Make up your own minds. I I'm I'm gonna kind of wait and see, and um, we'll know pretty soon after release if it's a good thing, a bad thing, or net neutral. All right. Well, that was a lot on the news, but there's quite a bit of news. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about the wild meta. Let's talk about some wild Hearthstone because that's why we're we're here. Um, so we had some balance changes. Um, it'll be two weeks next Tuesday. It's about a week and a half. And, you know, there were, um, there was one change for wild, the nerf of Cobalt Illusionist from four mana to five, which took Big Rogue from a tier zero deck back into obscurity. Thank you. Big Rogue was very toxic. And the emergence of a metagame has started to take hold. Um, you know, I think the balance changes that were made for standard didn't really affect wild that much. They certainly affected standard. Oh boy, did we hear a lot about that. Um, but it did cause a bit of a shift in the meta. And I would call to attention, um, two meta reports that were basically released. One being the Tempo Storm meta snapshot, which releases approximately every two weeks. And some of the best wild players that I know write for it. Concern Mom, uh, Doc Delight, also known as White Delight, Martian Boo, who just joined the, the Tempo Storm team, which is very exciting. Um, Martian is a wonderful gamer, uh, grinder, and very knowledgeable and thoughtful about the game, so I think his inclusion is a major coup to the team. Um, Memnarch and my good friend NHL NJ Fan one um, And of course, the team is headed up by the Rotted Zombie, who's been doing a smashing job of this for some time now. So this is kind of like the gold standard of wild meta reports. However, uh, Corbett also created one as well on Reddit, um, just kind of looking at some HS replay data and sharing some thoughts. They came out at around the same time. Of course, uh, Blue Train fans, all two of you out there, will recall that I released my meta snapshot um, days before uh the um the the real meta snapshots released and we're gonna have a little bit of fun with this we're gonna we're gonna see how correct i was so i sent this out on august 22nd four days ago and my tier one was reno renathal shadow priest uh druid like dragon druid renathal druid cthune druid i kind of mixed them all up even shaman big priest uh, a lot in tier two even lock beast hunter aggro swordfish rogue um quest mage mechathune lock and then just like renathal decks is a tier three so we'll, we'll see how i stacked up um so let's have a look at corbett and i'm just gonna go ahead and read this uh and um share his insights 
I think it was really well done. And, um, you know, Corbett writes for the Vicious Syndicate uh, meta snapshot. Of course, because there's not enough data oftentimes to release them, it's very sparse. So it's really cool that he kind of just freelanced here. So, um, you know, Corbett provides some data that the wild class popularity at Legend has Priest being the most popular class at 21.8% followed by Rogue at 17.8. Now keep in mind this is play rate, not power level. Shaman at 13.1, followed by Mage in fourth at 12.0. Warlock in fifth at 11.4. That's kind of crazy, guys. I, Warlock was always the most popular class, and now it's in fifth place. Druid, which I said was among the, amongst the best classes, 9.8, 6% representation. You know, I said before that only Cobalt Illusionist affected Wild. I think it's fair to say that the Celestial Alignment change has also impacted Wild significantly as well. Uh, while you'll still see it on occasion, it's far less representative than it was before. Then you have Paladin at 4.4, Hunter at 3.8, which is wild to me that it's so unpopular um, because it's just so awesome. But we'll talk about that more in a second. And then Warrior and Demon Hunter at 3.5 and 2.6% respectively. Now, the most popular archetypes, Diamond through Legend, is Ramp Druid. So it's interesting that Druid is one of the most popular archetypes, but one of the least played classes. Big Priest in second, which is kind of gross. Reno Priest in third. Pirate Rogue, Shutterwalk Shaman. Even Shaman, Quest Mage, and Mechathune Lock. I should add another correction that the change to Snowfall Guardian did affect Wild considerably as well, and so far as that card is seeing far less play. So, you know, Ramp Druid 9.4, Big Priest 8.6%, Reno Priest 7%, Pirate Rogue 5.9%, Shutterwalk Shaman 5.7%, Even Shaman 4%, Quest Mage at 3.9%, and Mechathune Warlock at 3.8%. Now at Legend, um, this changes a little bit. So Reno, uh, so Ramp Druid is still the most popular. Big Priest drops off quite a bit, um, as does Even Shaman. And um, you know, looking at this, we've got uh, just to read through it for those who are listening. Ramp Druid 9.7, Reno Priest tied with 9.7, Pirate Rogue 6.8, Shutterwalk Shaman 5.8, Quest Mage 5.7, Miracle Rogue. 5.2%, although it's worth noting that this is um, probably overrepresented because it's a relatively new deck, so it might be a little bit of an aberration. Big Priest at 3.6, Even Shaman at 3.4, Enrage Warrior at 3.3, Pillager Rogue at 3.1, and then Mechathune Warlock at 3.1. So right away, most popular, not most powerful, Ramp Druid and Reno Priest. So far, the Blue Train meta report which was based on nothing than my rear end um, and my impressions. So far, so far, we're getting points for being pretty close, although this is popularity, not power level. So let's have a look at power levels. So Corbett writes, estimated population is gathered by looking at what percentage of unique archetype identifiers appear in decks. For example, it is assumed that nearly all decks using Swordfish are pirate rogues. Swordfish appears in 5.9% of decks in Diamond through Legend, therefore Pirate Rogue is estimated to be 5.9% of the population. This isn't perfect as some archetypes make it very difficult to distinguish between lists and blurs together. For example, Ramp Druids often use a ton of similar cards. Splitting hairs between XL Dragon Druid Malagos and XL Dragon Druid without Malagos XL Druid without Dragons, XL Reno Druid, Reno Druid, etc. isn't really possible or worthwhile. There may also be source bias present where some decks may be more likely to be used by players who use a deck tracker compared to the overall population. This is all admittedly imperfect, but hopefully should be very close to reality. So it's very nice that Corbett took the time to write out how he's doing this. He's using the cards, not the decks, because there's a lot more data there and there's going to be quite a bit of variance. So none of this, of course, is perfect. So highest win rate archetypes, Diamond through Legend. Even Shaman at 63.6%, Beast Hunter at 59.5%, and Pirate Rogue at 58.9%.
Now, it's worth mentioning that the metagame changes significantly when you remove diamond from the calculus. And as always, aggro decks tend to be overrepresented um, in these types of reports. But I think it's worth noting that a lot of people, myself included, slept on Even Shaman. And I think in this case, Even Shaman may truly be the best deck in the format because players are starting to take note and play it at High Legend. And if you look at like what Reno Jackson's doing with Even Shaman right now, like, I mean, the deck has game. So, you know, Even Shaman is back. Beast Hunter, which doesn't see a lot of play, is also very good, even at High Legend. You know, I mentioned some players earlier who were, who were playing it to, to a great degree of success. And Pirate Rogue, we know Pirate Rogue is good. Nothing's changed there. So, you know, I think that, that while we oftentimes dismiss Diamond through Legend data, when players finally pick up and play the decks in Legend, oftentimes they may not post the same results, but they still get very good results. So those are the top three. Um, I'm not going to read through them all because there's quite a few. Um, but, you know, it's really interesting to see what the top decks are, Diamond through Legend. Um, you know, Corvette writes, I feel like it can't be emphasized enough just how wild the diverse meta is right now. With a 40-card caveat. While the most recent patches have been highly contentious for Standard, I feel it's been highly successful for Wild. And I would tend to agree. Big Rogue was really bad, and it was great to see that go. Um, you know, I think that there are some people that were really sad to see Snowfall Guardian get nerfed, and uh, very few that were sad to see Alignment get nerfed. But really, um, you know, what has taken hold, and Corbett writes about this, is that Renathal is by far the most popular card in Wild, and it's performing very well. So I would encourage you to check out this meta snapshot on Reddit. I'm going to go ahead and throw the link in the chat um, and, and read through it. Um, Corbett is, uh, writes really well. Uh, it's very easy to understand, and um, it's well thought out. And I think that um, looking at this, there are some insights that maybe are being missed, uh, including, um, you know, the rise of even shaman as a real contender as the new king of aggro in um the wild meta which whoever thought it would come back i never believed it myself but but here we are so um really really well done i hope that this becomes a regular feature although admittedly i'm sure this was a lot of work um the only thing that i would say that i'm not super thrilled to see in here although again it's well represented is how prevalent big priest is um, Big Priest is borderline, like it's still very tilting to play against because they can cheat out those minion or minions early. It's not running any new cards and it sees a lot of play in that bottleneck on Diamond 5 through Legend. So, you know, people complain about Big Priest. And I think that Big Priest is a popular archetype in a very narrow segment of ladder where it will be overrepresented. So, you know, for, for those who are trying to, you know, grind their, their way out to legend, you probably will see more Big Priests than you'd like. Um, Doc Delight, White Delight, he was playing some even Warlock on EU at, uh, doing a 10-star climb because he hadn't played there for some time. And, and remarked how many big priests he saw in those final few ranks to legend. It was quite a lot. So, um, you know, big priest. Turns out Devolve, pretty good guard against big priest. Get past those taunts and finish them off. Devolve is still a staple of even shaman. So, you know, I, I don't know what the data of even shaman versus uh, big priest is. But uh, uh, we can check that out after. I suspect it's... Not favored, but I suspect it's pretty close. Once I can't afford it, I'll be playing the heck out of Big Priest. Craig of Canada. Craig of Canada admitted Big Priest apologist. Well, that's okay. I never, I never, while I kid, I, I never begrudge anyone for playing a deck that, uh, that is good. I mean, you use the tools at your disposal. Um... I, I do not believe in deck shaming. Uh, so, all right. So that was the Corbett Reddit meta snapshot. And uh, well done, Corbett. I hope we see more of this. And I would encourage you all to check it out in the link that I pasted in chat. 
And for those who are watching uh, on YouTube, there should be a link below in the description. For those who are listening um, on the show notes uh, that are included in the pod, the link will be there as well. Else, uh, I would go ahead and check it out on YouTube when you get a chance. Um, it will certainly will be there. Okay, moving on. The Tempo Storm Wild Meta Snapshot came out three days ago. Now, keep in mind, guys, it takes a lot of work to put this together. And so there's usually a few, day, few days lead on this and lag till it gets published. So even though this was released on the 23rd, it probably was being edited for two days prior. And, and that counts for a lot. So a lot of movement in here. Um, but I still think that despite the, the, the lead and lag time, um, this is a very excellent resource that uh, uh, is extremely well written and doesn't get nearly enough praise and, and a lot of flack because, you know, the Tempo Storm brand. But again, I can't emphasize enough that these, these six players that write for this snapshot are amongst some of the best Hearthstone players that, that I've had the pleasure of interacting with and knowing. So I endorse it for whatever that's worth. Okay, so tier one, according to the Wild Tempo Storm meta snapshot, Big Rogue, sorry, Pirate Rogue, Big Rogue is dead, Big Priest, Even Shaman, Reno Priest, and Even Warlock. I think what's interesting about this is there's no Druid in Tier 1. And I wonder if that's because the decks that are represented here, particularly Pirate Rogue and Even Shaman, tend to do pretty good against Druid. I don't know, but it's interesting. Uh, Even Shaman being back in Tier 1 is consistent with what Corbett was uh, speaking of with the data he saw. Pirate Rogue is still really good. Just didn't get any new cards. It's still really, really good. I do think Pirate Rogue has dropped off a little bit into Renathal decks that run weapon tech. It kind of is harder to get there than, say, possibly with Even Shaman or Beast Hunter. But, I mean, it's still really good. It's still a really good deck. Um, you know, Big Priest... Again, a solid performer. It can be a little inconsistent because it can whiff, but not surprised to see it in Tier 1. Um, so this is where I kind of got it wrong a little bit, right? So I said Renathal Shadow Priest and Ramp Druid, Tier 1. And basically, Tempo Storm saying, eh, well, it turns out your, your Tier 2, some of your Tier 2, is probably inverted with your Tier 1. Um... So what's interesting here is that um, Reno Priest is in Tier 1. And this is a deck that I think caught us all by surprise. This isn't your Reno Priest that you ran, you know, back during Scholomance or Ashes of Outland. This is a Renathal deck. It runs Dark Bishop Benedictus, so it's a Shadow Renathal Reno Priest. And it runs the, the, the Neutral Disruption Package that's become the bane of everyone's existence. Dirty Rat, Mutinous, uh, where is he? Theotar, I know he's in here, I just can't see that well. Um, looks like Theotar's not in this version. They mostly run Theotar too. Um, and it runs a value gameplay, and the gimmick here is that it runs some Thief cards and pairs with the, um, the, 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 the fellow that steals cards that you play that were duplicated um, harvester and and that is uh, a nuts value generator so there, there there is some refinement going on with the list um, looking at this one I believe this is Hijo's list um, but there are some different ones out there uh, but you know Hijo hit rank one with this deck and and y'all know y'all know how it goes right when Hijo hits rank one with a deck you know it's it's here to stay and that it's solid so, you know, Reno Renathal Shadow Priest. Like, who would have guessed that would have been a Tier 1 deck? But it is. Control is back, guys. For all the players that have been saying, Oh, Control is dead. Control can never come back. To you I say, Reno Renathal Shadow Priest. It's a control deck in the most pure form. Of course, it's a Hearthstone control deck, so it'll never resemble like a control deck like you'd seen another TCG, but it's as close as you're going to come to uh, a control meta is what we've got right now. 
I can tell you right now that as an aggro gamer, I'm I'm struggling. I do have some options to play. It's not dead, but you know, uh, and Tempo Storm says that aggro is the best deck in the game still. But you know, it, it, it's it's rough out there with uh, with uh, with Shadow Priest. So if you're a control gamer, get your reps in. You know, it's it's time to to it's your time to shine. In tier two, they have Beast Hunter. Free Shaman, Quest Mage, Pillager Rogue, and Dragon Druid. So if there's one thing that's making this meta miserable for us, it's the fact that Quest Mage still exists. So Quest Mage isn't particularly the best deck, but it's the deck that you'll remember playing against the most. Because <laughs> they play five ice blocks against you, right? And then you lose as they chip away at you as they take unlimited turns. It's extremely unfun to play against. And it feels like it holds you hostage. Because you can't, you know, once they proc their quest, sometimes they can whiff. So you can't necessarily, you know, just quit the game out. You got to play it out because there's not such an insignificant chance that they, that they foul it up. Um, and, and it has a pretty even matchup spread. You know, the aggro decks tend to beat it more often than not, but it's not a it's not an auto loss. And it's even with a lot of the other decks. It's it's a real contender in the meta, and it is unfun to play against. Boy, I will tell you, I loathe Quest Mage. And I liked old Quest Mage, like a couple years ago when it ran like the, the Arcane Giants and the Mana Cyclones and, and was more of like a... Um, you know, uh, tempo-based gameplay, that was really cool. Even Mazaki Mage wasn't as bad because at least there was some finality to it. You knew that they got you. Whereas Quest Mage, it's... it's Frankly, they nerfed... Um, they nerfed Turtle Mage for the, for the same kind of thing, and I think that Quest Mage is much more egregious than Turtle Mage ever was. So I don't understand why they nerfed Turtle Mage last year but are, have left Quest Mage largely unchecked. So hopefully, eventually, something will be done against it. Not that it's overpowered, it just it's incredibly unfun to play against. In Tier 3, we've got, like, Reno Druid, Mechathune Warlock, Mech Mage, still, still rep in Tier 3. Imp Warlock, played that early in the month, thought it was really good, um, kind of dropped off. Odd Paladin again, tried it after the buffs, nerfs, seemed okay, but meh. Secret Mage, which, you know, some people are swearing by, but I personally haven't really felt that it's had its time to shine with the new cards. They don't feel especially great, but I mean, I also thought even Shaman was not going to be good. Uh, and uh, looks like I was completely wrong there, so I mean, who knows? Maybe these decks are... are waiting for the right shift in the meta to um, capitalize on playing to their strengths. And in Tier 4, we have Enrage Warrior, Murloc Shaman, Questline Hunter, and Odd Demon Hunter. I think Enrage Warrior is a really cool deck uh, and, and one to watch um, as it undergoes refinement. Um, it's really enabled by the new card um, as the website loads. Um, where is it? Uh, imbued Axe. After your hero attacks, give your damaged minions plus one plus two. However, if you infused two before playing it, get plus two plus two instead. It's a three mana, two, three weapon. This thing is sick. It buffs your risky skippers. It buffs your crab riders. It's, it's a really powerful weapon. And you get three swings. So you're looking at potentially, you know, six extra stats per minion. Um, 12 if you count, uh, you know, attack and defense, right? So this is, uh, this is a heck of a card. Really cool deck. Some people have had success with it. Um, I think that it could still stand some refinement. And even if it doesn't kind of break out, um, this cycle, I think that there's a core here that's starting to look pretty darn good. A really, a really interesting deck. Uh, kind of like a mid-range chonky deck running things like Risky sk Skipper. Uh, Town Crier, Crab Rider, and some of the pain cards. Uh, really cool stuff. And so that's the Tempo, tempo Meta Snapshot. You know, a lot of control decks, a lot of diverse fields, a lot of Renathal. So if you're not a fan of Renathal, you're probably groaning in this meta. I'm not such a fan of Renathal, but 
I don't mind it so much. What I really don't like is Quest Mage, frankly. Even Big Priest, while annoying, is not... Like, Quest Mage feels like a real feels-bad outlier, so we'll see what happens with it. Um, kind of to round things off, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Beast Hunter, which is a deck that I've been enjoying and playing. Um, and, and I think one that really is underrepresented on ladder. So, you know, we looked at Corbett's report and, you know, Hunter was boasting the second highest win rate, but the second to last kind of lowest play rate. And so this is, this is an aggro deck that I think is a little bit under the radar. Um, not everyone believes in it. Uh, I do. And uh, I, I think it's, you know, I think even Shaman's probably better, but I think this is a cool deck. Uh, so for those listening, the deck runs uh, two Alley Cats, two Overwhelms, two Timberwolves, although popular lists oftentimes sub in Springpaw here, two Whoopertingers, two Woundpreys, two Crackling Razor Maws, two Encumbered Pack Mules, two Scavenging Hyenas, two Spirit Poachers, two Starving Buzzards, two Harpoon Guns, two Wild Spirits, one Aralon, two Tundra Rhinos, one Beast Stalker Tavish, one Huntsman Altimore, and one Hydralodon. So I mentioned that you can run Springpaw instead of Timberwolf. You could also potentially run Pelican Diver in that slot instead. So if you're seeing a lot of aggro, you probably want Springpaw. If you're seeing more quest mages, pillager rogues, decks of that nature, Timberwolf is probably better. Um, I would say that Beast Stalker Tavish and Hydralodon are essential cards in the deck, and core is legendaries. Aralon and Huntsman Altimore are very good, and I would encourage people to try them if they have the cards. If you don't want to craft them, you can you know, replace two of the beasts that I've mentioned that kind of sub in in the Timberwolf slot. Huntsman Altimore is really good, though. Um, it's like a 7-mana 5-4 with Call the Wild on a stick. It's really easy to infuse four in this deck, and, and oftentimes you get the full eight. Uh, it's really, 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 really good. Uh, Aralon's also good, because what Aralon and Huntsman Altimore do is they basically give you a full board. So Hunter is one of the better decks, Beast Hunter, into Reno Renathal Priest. Um, Tempo Storm has it at a even matchup which is pretty good for an aggro deck usually reno priest is favored into aggro decks um and and part of the reason why this performs so well or i mean relatively speaking um for an aggro deck is because you just have so much pressure to bear like if they clear your board you can slam altimore and he's a board in a box right you get three the the three animal companions in altimore which is a five four it's like four minions right aralon also puts three dormant wild seeds into play so really really good choices um pelican diver is okay into like druid uh and spring paws okay into decks like even shaman and pirate rogue uh, so you know you've got some flex in there as well really the deck you know it used to be very tricky to play and it still has some complex lines but really the strategy that you're going for is curving out with a turn one alley cat or Wolpertinger. Um, you can even, you know, you wouldn't keep it in a mulligan, but you could always just chuck out Wound Prey to play something on turn one. Turn two, your best plays are on the play, playing Spirit Poacher, which summons a dormant wild seed, um, or a Crackling Razor Maw to um, hopefully get that plus three attack on one of your alley cats um on the coin a strong turn two is coining out harpoon gun which is one of the main vehicles and engines of this deck or coining out wild spirits that summons two dormant wild seeds and advances their dormancy by one very very good as well and and people ask well didn't wild seeds get nerfed they did the stag the 5-4 wild seed now produces a 3-2 weapon instead of a 4-2 weapon but they're still very good. You still want to play them in the deck. And the reason why the Wild Seeds are so good is because they they pair really well with Tundra Rhino. Nothing's better than getting a discounted Tundra Rhino for two mana, 
and slamming him on the board the turn that the 5-4 stag wakes up with the 3-2 weapon and then you can you know sneak in another beast or two and all of a sudden you're doing all this burst damage out of nowhere and in a, in a metagame where the board is a very dangerous place to vie for beast hunter is a cool deck because it has a lot of burst from hand you can discount minions with harpoon gun and you can give them charge with Tyne Tundra Rhino. And the Wild Seed synergize so well with this because you could kind of, <laughs> no pun intended, seed them in advance, have them be dormant, and then when they wake up, you can play your Rhino along with your other beasts for that extra charge damage. I like Timberwolf because it gives all your beasts plus one attack and charges itself, so it kind of increases that damage potential with your burst from hand. Hydralodon is another board in a box that has Rush that's extremely strong when you can pair it with Rhino. Um, if you can discount Rhino and pair it with Hydralodon or vice versa, that makes for a frightening late game swing. And Beaststalker Tavish is just a really good card. Um, it changes your hero power to summon an animal companion, which is also really good with Tundra Rhino. Um, and the secrets that you get from Beast Stalker Tavish are no joke as well. Um, it discovers two improved secrets when you play them, including um, Frozen Trap, Frost Trap, Fire Trap. Um, I forget the names of the others. The one that makes your minions dormant. And um, yeah, they, they, they are situational, but they're usually quite, uh, quite good. Um, also... Uh, Beastalker Tavish is an excellent way to beat Quest Mage. So when the Quest Mage gets into their Ice Block chain, they have to attack you with minions to win. So if you play Beastalker Tavish when they're at one and get the improved Flame Trap up that deals three, because they attack into you on their turn, the the Ice Block won't proc. It'll deal three damage to them and it will kill them. So Beastalker Tavish is a really excellent way to play around Quest Mage. There are some people who are still running Flare in this deck on top of Beastalker Tavish because they hate Quest Mage so much. I wouldn't recommend doing that, playing Flare, especially if you're not in like a high legend meta pocket where Quest Mage is more popular. But um, definitely if you're seeing a lot of aggro mirrors, even shamans, there's an argument to be made for, for cutting Timberwolf for Springpaw, or if you don't want to run Aralon or Huntsman Altimore because you don't want to craft them or you feel they're a bit heavy on the top, then you could you could put in Springpaws or Pelican Divers here as well. But again, the amount of reach and reload that, that this gives your deck, I think, is, is worthy of consideration. So that's Beast Hunter. I, I think it's really fun. Um, if we look at the uh, snapshot from Tempo Storm, um, matchup spread... They give it a slightly unfavorable into Druid. I feel that into Druid it's pretty even. Oaken Summons can give you a bad time, but Druid has a hard time dealing with the big boards if they don't get Poison Seeds, and a lot of them have cut Spreading Plague. You're favored into Quest Mage, which is wonderful even if you're not running Flare, and I believe this to be true as well. You're not Giga favored, but you're favored. More times than not, you'll take the win. You're slightly unfavored into Big Priest, and this makes sense because Taunt is cheat, and they can swing the board with Neptalon, but they can oftentimes whiff, and so, you know, it's only slightly unfavored. Even into Reno Priest, absolutely insane that an aggro deck can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a hard control deck. So, you know, even though I've been crying Renathal killed aggro, well, maybe I should reflect on that. Slightly unfavored into Pillager Rogue. Flare is also a tech against Pillager Rogue, although eh, um, Pillager Rogue just operates so quickly. And because your, your burst from hand comes later in the game, you can't really bring that to bear against them. Um, Pirate Rogue, it says you're extremely favored. I don't think you're that favored into Pirate Rogue. But, you know, cards like uh, Springpaw, if you run it, Wound Prey... Um, you know, just being able to put taunts down with the with the encumbered pack mules does give them a hard time. Says you're even into even shaman. I think that's correct. Free shaman slightly favored, especially after the um, snowfall guardian nerf, and about even into even warlock. So pretty nice matchup spread. Uh, very flat. Um, you know, uh, talking with my friend zombies goes nom nom. We conceded that even shaman might be the better deck. 
But Beast Hunter feels better to play because it feels like you have a lot more um, control over the outcome of your game because you have a draw engine with a Starving Buzzard and you know, you're able to, 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 to deal burst from hand. So a really cool deck. Um, not sure uh, what you guys think of uh, Beast Hunter. Other cards that um, have been suggested um, that may be played is the three mana um, card from the new set. Uh, I forget the name. Uh, I haven't played with it. Uh, it's the one that summons bats. Is it a three mana card? Here, let's, uh, instead of looking at wild cards, let's look at Nathria cards. Maybe it's four. No? Is it two? It's two. Frenzied Fangs. Some people are running Frenzied Fangs. Frenzied Fangs is uh, summon two, two, one bats for two mana, which isn't terrible. Infuse three, which you can easily do, makes them three threes. So it's another way of going wide and not the worst turn two play. So, so that's something that you may want to consider experimenting with as well. Uh, this probably does pretty well into Even Shaman because it contests the board nicely with the with the two health totems. Uh, I haven't run it. I wouldn't cut anything in here for it. But I mean, you know, your mileage may vary. There's there's certainly room to experiment. Yeah, it's two mana. And that takes us to the end of the things that I wanted to talk about for this pop-up podcast. Um, rounding out in an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, want to thank everyone who hung out. Uh, I want to thank Nate, Electric Sheep City, and Hydralisk for lending me their platform on a Friday night to entertain you guys um, and the trust they showed in me in, in doing this. Uh, it was fun. There was a lot to talk about, and hopefully I represented it well for you. Um, if you're listening on YouTube or on audio, uh, thank you for hanging out there as well. And I do believe that your regularly scheduled hosts shall return next week from their various responsibilities and holidays, and I look forward to their return too, as I like to spend my Fridays with them. So with that being said, have a good night. And you were, you, I screwed it up. What does he say? You, you, you heard it here on Born to be Wild. <laughs>